podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today. Because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. Hello and welcome to the Foot Weekly Podcast. And so it continues. We've got AS Roma pro player, Conrad Ranners Tobin, foot tactician Steve and resident market expert the foot economist aka Jamie we discuss formations and tactics we've been enjoying crossing we've not been enjoying so much first patch thoughts Champions League mini market meltdown the new competitive setup a very left field informed impression and the one to watch trading epic so draining it's given me a cold I'm your host Ben and you are listening to the foot weekly podcast on foothead and all your usual podcast platforms Hello and welcome to week three of the Foot Weekly Podcast. And this week we have the return of, uh, well I guess it's your season debut today, uh, Steve aka Foot Tactician. Nice to have you back. Thanks very much Ben, great to be back. Exciting times with with the release of FIFA 19. I finally managed to get my hands on it, get a few games in and excited to talk about it. Great, and we've got the familiar voice of the Foot Economist as well. Hello. Good to be back. And if you don't recognise my voice that well... It's because I've I've got a cold. I've got FIFA flu. Kind of man flu, but it happens at the start of FIFA. And we've actually got a podcast debutant. He's never been on the podcast before. Actually, we've had his manager on the podcast before. We have Ranners um, here from AS Roma Esports. Pleasure to have you. Yeah, thanks for getting me on. You know, I've, I've played like 300 games now, so hopefully I can <laughs> be insightful. Serious wow. commitment. Wow. But um, tell us a bit about the because uh, you you live in the AS Roma esports house somewhere in East London, an undisclosed location. Yeah, um, you didn't sound well, particularly excited about that. Is that. I mean, it, it it's just a go to question. I've, I've answered it so many times. Oh well, I'm, yeah, so, no, I'm no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> just end the podcast there. It's a hot topic, man. Uh, but no, it's good. You know, it's it's actually. I know it's not exactly what you think it would be because like we we do have quite a schedule we do a lot of other activities to try and get away from the game and kind of really have a clear mind including gym in and out of house activities uh just a lot of other stuff going on you know and obviously but then you have practice time coaching sessions etc so there's a lot going on great and did you enjoy your fifa 19 opening weekend party did you pack anyone good yeah, so the opening party was, oh, the launch venue was pretty crazy because we had a 72-hour live stream, which we were doing in shifts, mm. which, uh, you know, was pretty difficult because uh, I had a, a 12 a.m. to to 4 a.m. Oh, shift ooh. that I had to do back-to-back <laughs> days. And then so I'd sleep, and then I had the noon to 4 p.m. shift as well. <laughs> and, like, before that, I had, like... A, like a four to eight PM shift, and then like you had like four hour break, and oh, it was it was rough, man. Wow, that yeah, does sound pretty intense. Yeah. Did you, did, I mean, it was still pretty good. Yeah, did, yeah. <laughs> at least at least it's um it's all behind you now, and you can focus on playing three hundred games in the space of two weeks. <laughs> Priorities, <laughs> exactly. Um, so let's get into it then. We've got some interesting topics to cover this week, and we've got a, a pro player in partly to talk about that. I wanted to start off with a bit of gameplay discussion. So. 
for economists, I'll come to you first. Um, I mean, you're you're just as qualified, but I feel like slightly less qualified than the other two to speak on this. Um, what what sat, like tactics and setup have you been using so far with your team? What's the kind of your go to formation, and, and have you been enjoying it? Yeah, uh, so I've been really enjoying the custom tactics that you can set up on your on your D pad, the game plans as they as they're called. I've been running with the four one four four one one. Um, I've found that it's really effective for setting up finesse shots, which uh, as of right now makes up I think eighty five percent of my goals <laughs> are scored with a finesse shot, and then probably ninety percent of those eighty five percent of my goals are scored with Isco, who is my center forward in that formation. Um, I essentially run it so that I play a possession style, right? So that's my offensive buildup, uh, and I uh, work it around using like L, like. The give and go passes, the one two passes, and like drag backs, ball rolls, etc. Around that top of the box, essentially looking to get a finesse shot off. Like that's like my entire game plan, and I've rode rode that all the way to Division Three. I think I need to evolve a little bit more and add some other things into my game plans, because so I don't get as predictable to progress beyond that. But I've found <laughs> some uh, decent success so far. Well, if it works for you at the moment, then if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And uh, Steve, you're obviously pretty into your tactics. Actually, let's just start because I know you probably want to get a bit of a um, something off your chest. Let's just say a bit of a gripe. Um, a gripe, yeah. There has, I mean, we were quite excited, and of course, there are significant changes and, and positives to the to the changes that have been made to tactics. But there there are some negatives. Yeah, I feel like um, it's definitely moved in the right direction. Um, but I'm a bit disappointed that it's EA have kind of given with one hand and, and taken away with the other as, as they so often do I guess um, it's, it's great in the sense that you've got more flexibility in game um, the problem that I have with it is that we've lost the the ability to, to fine tune the tactics to the extent that we've always been able to in the past this really came to my attention a couple of days ago when I thought a great way to play within these mechanics would be the old tiki tacker, and I went about trying to set it up. It just struck me immediately. Well, all of a sudden, there's no no capability to to set up your players so that they'll look for safe pockets of space to receive the passes. Um, under build up play, you could um, instruct your players to to look for the pockets of space to receive the passes. And um, so they could lay the balls off much quicker and easier without having to worry about being tackled. Now that's gone completely. So to all intents and purposes, it's impossible to set up a ticky-tacker style of play. Um, we, we kind of dictated, and I, I think another major issue that I have with it is a lot of, in, in terms of replicating actual football systems, um, a lot of teams that, that use Gagan pressing will set up with a back four more or less on the halfway line and they'll play the offside trap. And again, that option's been removed. Um, you can no longer do that unless you actually activate offside trap manually. So, hmm. As in you can't while get a, in a lot of ways, in line. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, so it's obviously much easier to get in behind the defence because uh, there's no stepping up to, to, to catch the runners out. Hmm. Um, so yeah, while I love it in terms of the flexibility that it gives in terms of shifting shapes, um, I don't. I, yeah, I have a real problem with what it's taken away as well. Mm. Unfortunately, yeah, and and obviously the the lack. The, I mean, the, there is a, but obviously, I mean, there are positives in terms of new instructions. I suppose you can do a lot more with like fullback ru- uh, runs and stuff. You can have them kind of invert. Um, but yeah, it kind of feels a bit empty if you can't back that up with 
more in-depth tactical. Yeah, I mean, um, it is Pep Guardiola's system is something that does rely on having the back four sitting quite high so that they can squeeze play, you know, sort of compress it into the opposition's half as much as possible. Mm. So, yeah, it's great in the sense that you've now got inverted runs from full-backs, which lends itself to Guardiola's tactics. But the fact that you can't sit the back four so high and play the offside trap, it's back to the thing of giving with one hand and taking away with the other. Mm. One interesting thing that I noticed that you can do we'll come back to your tactics sorry we're getting away from it a little bit is you can do like stay forward on your wingers and it really does work like your your wing wing players especially if they have work rates which don't make them come back they'll actually like really play really quite high like I had one situation with Pato where he was basically playing in a front two even though he was like a left mid which is quite interesting because that wasn't the case before it is the case now and I realised just how useless it was when I was doing it because the player just (laughs) literally sat on the left back and was marked for the entire game so stuff like that you kind of feel like while I understand the process the actual execution and in the game when you're using it it maybe doesn't work quite so well I would love to see a pitch notes on like how those things kind of balance each other out like the like let me as you were just saying Ben you know what overrides is it the instructions on a player or is it their work rates is it a combination of the two is it the like the tactics that you set up so like if you say x number of players or x number of bars of players to get into the bar into the box for a cross but then you go and put on the instructions for that specific like a specific player or like you could do it for all the players and say stay on the edge of the box for crosses like which which one of those two uh i guess wins uh, in air quotes Mm. in terms of like putting the players where they actually go uh, when you're not controlling mm. them. I would love to see a pitch notes on that. Or- yeah, yeah, it's true. What takes precedent? Like, get into the box instruction or loading the box full of players on the tactics, yeah. Um, but Stephen, saying that, what kind of formation have you been using so far? Uh, I've spent a lot of time with the 4 2 the, the wider version, um, mainly because what I like to do early in the game is, is establish a kind of baseline where you can use something which is quite effective against any system you don't have to be that reactive um i like to keep it quite simple quite balanced and then it's easy to see what needs adjusting what works what doesn't work uh since then started playing around a little bit with the 4335 um with the the false nine uh that's that's been quite effective in terms of the target man is is a big deal this year if you can if you can get the ball down the wings uh, normally with the, uh, the chip through ball, which is quite OP this year, and find a way of working it into the target man, either through the air or to feet in space. Finding space in the box is a little bit more tricky this year. But yeah, um, especially with headers, um, it, it seems quite effective. Um, especially if you've got Romelu Lukaku, who uh, seems to have scored about 300 goals against me in the last the last week or so. Yeah, and... Uh... Lastly then, Ranners, what have you been playing? Well, I know actually because I played you. Um, didn't didn't end particularly well, but uh, <laughs> what have you been doing? Yeah, I had a poor game against you. Just, <laughs> oh yeah, it wasn't my incredible ability <laughs> at the game. That, um... uh, yeah, no, I've been uh, using the 4 2 3 one, uh, just a regular with the two cams. Um, and it's formation I've been using for the last couple of years now, to be honest. Mm. Um, I mean, it's very balanced, and, and it? it yeah, so what I like about it is, you know, it's not too wide or too defensive like the second variation is, but then also it still is a bit more defensively solid than maybe a four-one-two-one-two, and it does still give the option to go out wide. Because uh, I find the cams this year, in my opinion, are, are a little bit wider um, than they have been on previous years. 
Uh, so I've been going down the line a lot as if they were wingers rather than just outside cams. But you think they uh, sit? But do you think they sit slightly inside compared to the wide variation though? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they yeah. Do. but uh, just slightly wider than on previous FIFA's. Mm-hmm. Then, as I believe Steve said, uh, he was using um, a lot of finesse shots um, to score in this FIFA, and really that has been my bread and butter, especially with the time finishing added on them. really makes them lethal. For the first time in a long time, I'm using uh, opposite-sided uh, foot players, so on the right-hand side, I have left-footers to cut in and finesse. Mm. Uh, but uh, once you get to Division 1... You come across people that can move the goalkeeper around. Now, what that does is mm. completely eradicates finesse shots just like that. Um, so it's now you have to actually get it in the box and you have to try to shoot across goal a lot more. And until the patch comes out, that is very difficult with the side foot glitch. Um, so it's actually making mm. a lot of uh, kind of 1 0, 0 0 kind of goal lines in the top divisions at the moment. That's fascinating. That's quite interesting. Um, yeah. yeah. Because I was going to say, I was thinking moving the keeper because you have a bit of time to react. What the pl- yeah. uh, the play your opposition just shifts the keeper slightly across the goal just to cover the co- the far post. Yeah. So because realistically, what you would be able to do if it was like last year or when you can lay shot is you can like cut in and you can actually just shoot near post, kind of, hmm. rather than finesse it around and it would go in the way it's working at the moment. But as as it stands, they do side foot it and it just goes so slowly that the keeper can. Right recover even if they're at the wrong side of yeah, the yeah. goal. Ran has, I've, I've never actually tried this myself, but I'm reliably told that a way around that is to hold the L2 for the shoot. You get a kind of knuckleball effect. Um, uh, yeah. Especially effective that, near uh, post. I don't know if you've is, heard about that. That is what I tweeted out. My uh, I tweet uh-huh. is the one that... Ah, was it? But um, on later inspection, it was merely the fact that it just has a higher percentage chance to not do the side foot, but it still can happen. Right. Yeah. So I should say that I've been in touch with um, a PC player who's well, he's he's a like top PC pro, but uh, I know that doesn't necessarily mean much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Randall's just there, like, fuming probably. Um, but he ba- was basically saying he's played the patch version on PC now. Um, I'm guessing the patch will probably be out for some people listening to this podcast if they're on console. But the side foot issue seems to have been resolved, so that's mm. a positive, I guess. And also the patch isn't doing a lot for patching gameplay but that is one thing i guess which definitely needed addressing early on so it's good to kind of have that out of the way it was actually something that was fed back quite heavily at the capture event so they were probably ready to patch that pretty early on in terms of the patch in general and what needs patching and kind of a discussion around the patch obviously the message from EA that we were getting strongly at the capture event is that they didn't want to patch the game early there are definitely issues in the game and i mean ran as you're probably have a list of them but there are other things which you feel kind of need patching uh yeah so just from personal standpoint i think ai is kind of well that's more broad version but i think it only needs to be slightly toned down Hmm. um i think one of the main issues is the fact that people were not only moving goalkeepers in the higher division but in the lower divisions you could kind of just literally move your defender to block that finesse shot because you knew they weren't shooting any other way so then it was perceived as AI blocks are really OP, but that was just because it was so easy to place your defender in position to block the one shot that you knew was coming. Right. Um, so I think with, with this, um, if people keep doing that, you will be able to at least lace it near post. Um, but then other than that, I mean, the volleys, 
a sort of a problem at the moment, um, <laughs> especially off El Tornado's. Um, <laughs> I've, I've heard FG Tech's basically like deliberately El Tornado's with Ronaldo yeah. in the final third, yeah. and it goes in. So I've, I have, I've played him four times, and I actually haven't conceded El Tornado against him because I know it's coming. <laughs> so like, you can, but like, you, if he does get the motion off. Um, you can't tackle him while the ball is in the air. It won't let you properly. Mm. Uh, so he does tend to get the shot away then, and then he's just hit the post or crossbar against me a lot. But that does need to be fixed. <laughs> like, he sh- like it's just not. Like, yeah, I think this is... As, I've, I'm yeah, kind of surprised uh, that that wasn't, like, patched to some extent. But I know, I know they're really keen not to, you know, make significant patches because of the sort of... I guess uproar last year when they patched before the first weekend league, um, which does lead you to think that they will patch again, I guess, before this month finishes maybe, or I don't know. Weekend league doesn't really work monthly anymore so much, so they might just patch it during the next month, um, but we'll have to see. But that I feel is something that surely needs to be kind of one of the top of the list items because although I love scoring bicycles and volleys and things like that, it just, it doesn't have quite the same, I don't know, like, we, I don't feel so good about it because it feels like they're they're too OP essentially. And also the other thing is from a gameplay perspective that I think is quite high on the list for me is um, issues with like player switching, where you think you're switching player, or it feels like you, where well, you press the button and then you don't actually switch to the correct player. And it seems to happen on like air balls and stuff, um, which I think from what I understand is quite high on the list as well to be patched. So hopefully that stuff will happen over the next month, but it does, it's kind of weird because I was like, Oh great. You know, no early patch, but actually it does feel like there are quite a lot of like niggly issues, which would just make for a higher quality of life when playing the game, if they fixed them. Um, so I suppose what I'm kind of saying is I would have kind of liked them to have patched a bit more in this patch, but I can see why they're not keen to. I think going back to the the issue of, of AI defending being a little bit overpowered for some people, I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing myself in the sense that it does force players to be much more creative and to attack in much more varied ways. It, it kind of... One of the things that I haven't really heard a word that I haven't heard mentioned so far, and I'd love it, is meta, because there isn't really one. I mean, I think, Ben, we, we talked about this when... Uh, before the game was released when we were talking about the different tactical approaches you could take in game and it does seem to have effectively cured us of of a meta system where there's no longer just you know the spamming the one twos with the triangle of the the cam and the two strikers and wash rinse and repeat until you get a, a through ball and you're one on one with the keeper mm. low driven finish that's all gone um you have to be a bit more inventive you have to be a bit more creative and it's interesting listening to runners as well um, pointing out that things do tend to change as, as players' ability increases as they get up the divisions. You do find that even in that situation, you're having to reinvent your game all the time. So in that sense, I think it's actually quite a good thing that, that the AI defending is a bit stronger because it is, uh, it's, it's adding much more depth and, and people are just having to be a bit more creative, which I think is a good thing. It's coming from someone who, you know, obviously isn't as qualified gameplay wise, but like for for me, after reading the, uh, I don't know if it was on the pitch notes or the uh, traits, um, or maybe I actually don't know what what uh, pitch notes it was in, um, but I remember them uh, talking about how the like CPU uh, does like defense, uh, and it's like essentially the same way that 
a regular human would control a defense, and they have like one active player at any given time. I think one thing that, like, just personally, if they were to make any adjustments to the AI, it would be that they would make it so that the active defender. So, you know, let's let's assume that the uh, you know the, your opponent is controlling his you know his his CDM. And he's just running around with like a Conte or a Matuidi, uh, and isn't really pursuing you or putting direct pressure on you on the ball. I would love it if the acceleration or the ability for the AI defender who is like the quote-unquote active defender um, was a little bit less in terms of like its ability to read where you're going like if it like I maybe it's just me and Rainers and uh, foot tactician and even Ben like if you can you know sort of uh, if you want to say otherwise but you know, as someone who like every now and then does try to skill move or a, a ball roll or a drag back and which aren't necessarily moves that are designed to beat players but uh, I feel that especially like I don't I don't I wish the player that was uh, a CPU or an AI wouldn't be able to stick with me if I'm you know changing direction quickly or you know I feel like I should be able to mm, yeah, beat those yeah. players there should be more punishment for for not controlling the player and putting a pressure on you like actively um, you know, since you can't control the other 10 players on the pitch, that, like, toning down that AI would be kind of frustrating to me. Um, mm, yeah, Because yeah, exactly. there's nothing that you can do about it. But if, if it's the active player that's marking a man, I feel like that, like, of all players, that should be the player that the human is controlling. And there should be punishments for not controlling that. I think the concern is you end up with a situation like last year, for me, where AI interceptions weren't good enough, and it meant that you could just... Well, and also passing was too accurate. It was kind of a mix of both. But basically, people could just a pass or x pass, just you know, ping pong through um, the center of the pitch and then right. release on a free ball. It was like too easy. Um, whereas that doesn't feel like it's the case at the moment. So um, I suppose I'm kind of positive in that sense. But whether AI defend a nerf to AI defending would cause things to go back to to that kind of meta, um, I'd be concerned about. But I think it is about getting that balance. But one of my concerns about um, this is that people don't know the game well enough yet. And like, Radders, you can probably tell me I'm wrong because you've played much many more games. But essentially, this is what happened last year. People called for a patch early on. And yeah, there were things that needed patching. But if things had kind of... If if, if people... If, if EA stick to their guns and people learn the game more... And I'm not just saying get good. This is just generally <laughs> people won't have played enough games um, to get good. And you learn how to beat the AI and you learn the techniques. And... AI defending becomes less effective, people have to be more active because of those techniques that you've learned, um, then we're in a situation where things don't need patching and, and the game balance is good. So I do feel like it's quite early to make a judgment. But yeah, Ranas, you might disagree with that. Um, I think, well, another problem is, um, so even if you tone down how well the AI tracks you at the moment, um, say, I don't know, you hit them with a fake shot and you try to go past them or whatever, the... Mm penalty uh, for the speed decrease while dribbling as opposed to without the ball is at the moment I would put it around 20 pace points um, you disagree with me but um, yeah yeah I know what you essentially, mean we're talking about this last if week, you yeah. Ha- yeah if you have 99 pace um, and say you hit a pass the defender I believe your pace like is only like about 80 on ball and with center backs uh, with like chemistry styles and stuff can get like 85 90 pace and they can just even if you go past them they can catch you in a few steps and so even then you're still in trouble but but yeah, what we were I saying last week I, is isn't that kind of realistic because actually you know like we were discussing with andy castell like aj3 and he was kind of saying jagielka you know he's actually pretty quick but also when you don't have the ball players are pretty quick and actually the difference between the slowest player 
on FIFA and the fastest player, they're all professional athletes. So it's actually not as big as people make out. Yeah, but I don't know. I think Neymar, if Neymar whacks the ball past you and like is just going at full speed sprinting, mm. and you're like, I think, I, think uh, you, I just wanted to say, I think you've raised an important point there in that when people talk about pace not being as as big a thing as it perhaps should be, um, you you really see it in action when you use the uh, the right stick and knock it on. That that's where players can get away from from the defenders and what have you. And that is pretty realistic in terms of replicating football, I think. Um, and I guess that'd be your experience too, if you if you really want to see the advantage that players like Neymar do have. Um, the knock-ons are important, yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting though, because as you said, um, yeah, chem styles have been nerfed to an extent, but actually the shadow chem style has not been nerfed. So you know, your Varane is probably almost as quick as Neymar. Like, uh, yeah, he is essentially. Yeah, with the shadow. Um, and- and maybe not. And with this year, yeah. I feel if um, if you're on ball and you have a less than 80 strength and you actually go shoulder to shoulder with like uh, somebody with decent strength, you just get dispossessed like nearly instantly. Yeah, yeah. I, lose the ball, I definitely feel like there's a concern up. around that actually for me. I think maybe one of the reasons why AI defending people have been complaining about is because shielding and like holding off players doesn't feel very effective. Like, yeah. It's kind of weird, like, if you have your player backing into someone um, as an attacking player and the defender comes up to you, they sort of, the player just kind of slows down. And, and you, you know, I know uh, for economists, you used this a lot last year where you kind of walk away from uh, from a defender. who, who uh, You shield it and then you walk away. Um, so like a revolving control. door. Yep. Like- yeah, yeah. And then essentially what was happening, what happens this year is the player just keeps following you and for some reason your player just decides to leave the ball and let the, other, the opponent kind of have it. Jamie, what was your initial reaction when you... I mean, I'm imagining when you first got your hands on FIFA 19, you must have tried what you normally try. Was it just like a horrible sense of panic? <laughs> oh, my God, it's not working anymore. What am I going to yeah. do? Now Visions what? of uh, oh. my glorious uh, Elite 3 to finishes in Weekend League, you know, vanished before my <laughs> eyes. But no, I mean, I think I've kind of figured it out. I've just picked up time finesse shots. That's what I overly rely on this year. <laughs> But you do think that that's your sort of technique was much less effective. Um, yeah, absolutely. It, and yeah. it's like, it's one thing, like you can kind of make it work if you've got a big bodied player like a Diego Costa, but you have to actually, you have to, this year you have to actively move with the left stick where your body's, where the position of your player's body is. He won't just automatically set mm. himself up to yeah. do it anymore. Um, like after a absolutely. couple of seconds or maybe even less than that, the player will actually just kind of come through the back of you and take it, um, which is also, I mean, a really dangerous way to lose the ball as well. So, uh, yeah in terms of like counterattack so it's definitely less effective this year Um, yeah totally let's move straight into the final bit of a section i just wanted to talk about crossing briefly because mainly because i'm slightly salty about it because someone scored like seven cross seven goals from crosses in one game (laughs) against me um i mean it ended like you know i think it was like five or six seven but um i still definitely lost because the guy was just whipping it in constantly and like sometimes from early positions where i just had no chance of getting to him um I was just wondering whether, well, runners at, at your kind of level that you're playing, people using crosses um, as an effective technique? Um, I use them a good bit personally, mm. um, mainly because of Ronaldo. Mm. And I don't know if you guys have come across Ronaldo in this game, but so his annoying. jumping is pretty, pretty <laughs> good. Um, so basically what I found a lot is, um, well, this only really works for high jumping players and Ronaldo, but you the the crossing is a bit more accurate this year because last year what it would do there was nothing wrong with the heading up 
mechanic at all. It was actually mainly a crossing mechanic, in my opinion. It would cross it too low. So the center back is always placed um, closer to the ball than your striker. So you would cross it in, and the center back would simply just get it uh, to it before the striker because it wouldn't be high enough. Uh, but this year, it does go higher. And what you can do a lot of times, it will just, for Ronaldo anyways, it puts it at the max height that Ronaldo can jump, if that makes sense. So it puts it quite high, and center backs just don't get to it. Um, but also, I do cross in the box if that makes sense so I won't cross outside the box uh, so it's a lot of a sh it's a shorter cross um, yeah yeah so do you use a modifier to do that do you use like LB uh, I use LB sometimes but just normal cross a lot of the time hmm. nice and do you do, do you do any ground crosses or are you finding the air cross uh, nah I, I don't really use ground cross I would just use a RBA as a ground cross because I find it's more accurate well like driven past yeah yeah. Okay. Fair sweaty goals do seem to be back, actually. Yeah. 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 Sweaty goals. I know what you mean. The, yeah. the old byline pullback does seem to be back in yeah. well, it's line, always Whenever it? goalkeeping is improved, I think, well, shooting's got harder yeah. and it feels like goalkeeping's got a bit harder. Yeah, yeah. It always feels like the sweaty goal comes back because I think people like look for that as the smart option again. Okay, before exiting the gameplay section of this week's podcast, I just wanted to give a nod to some patch notes that, that kind of snuck out slightly under the radar. Um, we had the traits and specialities pitch note just to summarize people who've been listening to the pod for a while will i'm sure be aware that specialities are kind of pretty much irrelevant they're basically badges given to players based on their stats so like an acrobat speciality is given to someone with like over 88 agility or something like that but traits on the other hand are really quite interesting and as people as we've been saying for a long time but there's been some debate over it uh, the finesse shot trait for example um, increases the curve on a uh, finesse shot and the confusing thing is that, yes, it also impacts what the CPU-controlled finesse shot player would do. So in that situation where the sort of CPU is controlling the player, they're more likely to perform a finesse shot. When a human's controlling, it's a better, more curved finesse shot. Um, and there are various other ones. I'd look at that pitch note. And just, What's interesting about um, that is that it doesn't change the end product in, such, in terms of like where the ball yeah, ends yeah, up. Exactly. Like it doesn't make it more accurate, less accurate, um, but it just makes it curve more. Which I think so harder to save, basically. Right, I'd imagine. And there's a few other things worth looking at in there. But for me, the biggest scoop of the whole article is that technical dribbler and speed dribbler, which you know, even myself have said, oh, he's got technical dribbler, so a good trait to have. Speed dribbler also a good trait to have. Those both those are purely AI traits. So essentially, they make no difference to when you're controlling a player. They're just for the AI to know to do speed dribbling or uh, technical dribbling with that player. So that's something that's really worth worth noting. And actually, I think you'll find, you know, if you're looking up players on um, Foothead or whatever, that, you know, that those traits aren't there anymore because actually they are kind of irrelevant to Foot um, to an extent. I guess if you're playing squad battles, it might be useful to be aware of them and opponent having those, those traits. But it's kind of interesting. It's worth noting anyway. Um, and having a look at that, uh, pitch note and actually all the pitch notes that come out we may at some point kind of do special podcasts on certain pitch notes if they are particularly interesting that's just kind of a list and it's worth checking over that might affect your player choices basically um but yeah we'll, we'll have a quick break um and we'll come back with some market chat um we'll talk about that uh, big uefa champions league promotion which uh, kind of crashed the market to be honest to, to a lesser extent and we'll be talking about the team of the week and changes to the competitive landscape this year as well but while we take that break why not subscribe you can do that or the usual ways go to your various podcasting platforms from spotify to apple podcasts and search foot weekly hey what's up guys it's kazoo here and you're listening to the foot weekly podcast 
At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today. Because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. Right, so the icon I have been really enjoying so far is uh, the Italian uh, Baccio. Um, he's actually a skiller as well, to my surprise. I didn't know much about him, but... Uh, he has five-star skills. Been using him at the capture event, and so far he's been playing amazing for me. He's a, he's a small player; doesn't have like the greatest physique and stuff, but uh, very good at dribbling, shooting, passing. Not the quickest either, but uh, especially his dribbling definitely makes up for it. And uh, so far, really enjoying so far. So, fantastic player to me. Hello, and welcome back to the second part of the Foot Weekly podcast. How did you find it, Steve? I found it very refreshing. Um, I'm actually on soft drinks this evening, mm-hmm. so not as refreshing as I'd like it to have been. But um, <laughs> I had the opportunity to nip down the pub for a, a quick catch-up with my mates and what have you, so good great, to see great. them, and I'm, I'm ready to go for the second half. Yeah, I had a shower, just towel down. Foot Economist, what have you been up to? I took a quick nap. Nice. Rallis, what about you? Nice. Uh, no, I was just um, <laughs> drinking some Monster Energy drink. Um, uh, <laughs> that, was a, that was a lengthy Monster Energy drink session. <laughs> It, it was. It, it was. was. Yeah. Hashtag ad. Well, and actually, I'm glad you're energised because we need you to tell us um, how the new pro format uh, or, or competitive system works this year. Um, what What are the kind of uh, key points to take away for our listeners? There's a lot really in here. Um, <laughs> basically, you want to try and get 27 wins in a weekend league to become foot champs verified, which means then you can go on to be invited to online tournaments to qualify for local events. So Foot Champs itself then has points allocations for how many wins you get every weekend, but they are quite small. And to be honest, if you, say, place uh, high in a tournament, uh, then it'll make uh, the Foot Champs points pretty irrelevant because they're so small in comparison, but they're still something. Then... You've got three different types of events. So you've got the playoffs at the end of the year, which will be top 60 uh, from each console on the point system. You've got uh, foot champions cups, which haven't been announced how many there will be, but they're basically like Barcelona and Manchester again. Uh, And then there's uh, third-party licensed events, which are just other tournaments held uh, by various places, and they also have points allocations. Um, for different placements uh, and then basically you'll just have a running tally of points and come the end of the year uh, you need to be in the top 60 leaderboards to be invited mm-hmm. to the playoffs Nice, and so what are your thoughts on this? Are you quite positive about the change? Uh, yeah, no, it is pretty good uh, it leaves a bit of room for error uh, because it's not okay, you have two events for the year and you have to finish top yeah. 8 to make playoffs or makes less of the focus on foot champs as well which was all a bit or a bit of a weird way of kind of gauging people's ability right exactly yeah because now like for most of these events you'll have to um like finish maybe a top four in online tournaments or something like that uh, mm-hmm. which means you're only going to be you're going to have to beat top players to get to these tournaments rather than just be better at beating worse players uh so yeah. it should make the older tournaments a lot more competitive throughout the year as well yeah, definitely. And I suppose 
foot economist, foot tactician. You may remember last year me mentioning that they should reduce foot champions games so there are less, and then also add another competition that runs afterwards for people to compete in who are better and get sort of the top elite one. So all I'm going to say is definitely my idea. <laughs> totally claiming. <laughs> hashtag, <laughs> hashtag influencer. Hashtag game changer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, man. Um, when Ben speaks, he this. <laughs> Exactly. Well, yeah, but I mean, it does make so much sense. Like, let the people who play very competitively play against each other. It's way more entertaining and um, they can get on with it and we can watch rather than play Weekend League at that point. And it, and it all is so much better and I'm, I'm pleased that they've done it like this. And it also puts much less pre- pressure on people to play. I mean, I know you don't have to play the 40 games and you don't have to play the 30 games, but it just makes it much more obtainable um, playing the full Weekend League when you want to. So, uh I guess a round of applause for EA and the competitive team for sorting this all out. Um, I think everyone's much more happy about it. Um, I think there'll be a lot more content um, overall because of the kind of structure of it as well. Um, so that's, uh, I guess, a positive. Uh, one final question for you, Ran, is on the kind of pro scene. A question from uh, a gentleman called Stree Freezy on Twitter. He asked, well, he says, Hi, I've been playing FIFA since uh, FIFA 10 and I'm just finding out about the competitive scene I have a competitive gaming background just not specifically FIFA can you explain to me why competitive FIFA uses ultimate team isn't that very pay to play kind of doesn't make sense I guess his point is that it's kind of not a level playing field I mean you're part of a team I'm sure you've had you know packs essentially you kind of have the financial backing to get a good team and that makes it much not much easier for you but it certainly is a huge help uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's it's just on an ultimate team because that's how it is. Um, to be honest, it's a lot more fun game mode for gameplay-wise as well as just team building in mm. general rather than having standard teams. How boring would it be seeing Real Madrid against Real Madrid or Juventus against Juventus every single game? Yep. Um, but then, I mean, yeah, y- what you do have to do, and it's probably one of the only games, is you, you do have to put the money up front and mm. back yourself. Uh, like that's exactly what I did last year. I had no funding last year, but I put in a lot of my own money and it paid off. Yeah, which kind of like doesn't, as you're saying, as, we, as he's saying, it doesn't make it a particularly level playing field. Like you have to have the money to start. But then on the other hand, you're right that foot is ultimately the big, well, it's the cash cow for EA, of course. And it's also what everyone plays. Like you're just not going to get the interest if it wasn't within Ultimate Team. Um, so I think realistically it's not going to be any different unless you know we change the kind of some kind of pro club related if you had sort of multiple players playing on the same teams etc it might change slightly but realistically yeah that's got to be the way it's done um, they want to promote that mode as well so um, it all comes kind of hand in hand I suppose um, let's move on to some we're talking of money actually uh, market stuff for economists it's been quite interesting and um, we'll just go into it briefly I know you're going to be doing streams on it i'm sure you'll tweet about it as well but the the market's been quite interesting because of this uefa champions league promotion which came out over the last couple of days um kind of interesting in terms of the players themselves because it's not really a significant upgrade for these players yeah yeah well yeah so the promotion's interesting in general it's had a you know pretty uh significant impact on the market um as, as you know if you if you go look at the market index uh, a lot of players have gone down particularly players that have risen in price because of poten- their potential to be useful in it for investments um so essentially what that tells us is that you know people have sold their player of the month investments their uh you know, their investments for uh, team of the weeks uh for you know players that are potentially going to get the gold cards that are potentially going to get in the team of the week next week so their cards will be out of packs etc cetera, etc cetera. um 
they've actually all gone down. And as an index, they've gone down the most compared to players like, you know, uh, you know players that were making it into weekend league squads. I mean, they've gone down, but not nearly as much as uh, players have gone down for uh, like investment grade tier, if you will, which is kind of interesting because that tells you that people have sold all their all their sort of panic sold all their investments so that they can go do these SBCs, which is a uh, a darn shame because <laughs> they are really not worth these SBCs are, are really I mean they are coin sucks to uh, to the max um, and it's and as you said Ben uh, it's really interesting because people are way way overvaluing these uh these cards at the moment um because one they're not dynamic items like they're they're not like one the watches um so they won't be upgraded if the player has a good performance in the champions league um they are only one point upgrades so which is significantly less even than an upgrade to like an inform from like an 85 to an 86 uh if you compare the stat increase it's it's much less significant than that so it's not even comparable to an inform and people are playing paying well above inform inform price premiums for these cards um and you can actually even see it it's kind of funny um EA have actually set the uh price ranges for the cards uh for the Champions League cards it's actually the top end is lower than on, on in a lot of cases is lower than the top end for the regular gold card so it's like i think which is which means like a lot of them are actually extinct so i think it's like ea's way of saying like hey dummies like look at this it's not actually that good <laughs> like, like don't don't buy and sell it for anything more than this because it's just simply not that worth worth that much um i mean yes could they could be useful for a you know spc further down the line i think that's definitely possible they even said it in the patch notes and the article that they had come out about it that they could be useful later on um but yeah, so the, in terms of takeaways, don't do the SBC. Don't sell your investments to do them, uh, and and I, I don't think they are worth the prices that people are paying for them. And if you have them right now, before people actually figure out that they're not worth that much, I would sell them. And also, quite interesting in terms of like they don't even disc, they discard for like four hundred coins or something, don't they? Because they're, right, yeah. they're not they're even not even rare, <laughs> right? Yep, <laughs> yep. It's kind of so. funny, but you know, fair enough. I guess some people got good stuff, and it's all. It's all about having a bit bit of fun, but still, right. at this stage in the game when, you know, coins are hard to come by, you've got to be careful what you put your coins into. But yeah, interesting that it kind of crashed the market a little bit. Obviously, are we looking at prices kind of ramping up over the time that people are listening to this, I suppose, ahead of the yeah. weekend league? And then do you think we'll we see another kind of weekend league sell-off situation afterwards? Um, well, people rotate out of certain tiers of players, yeah. Um, and, and as you said, I want to I want to harp on the point or sort of go back to the point you said how prices are going to increase. I will say that I don't think like last year heading into the first weekend, um, we saw price increases anywhere between thirty and sixty percent. So it was really significant mm-hmm. last year. This year, I think it's just a little bit different because we have already had like a major reward set come out. Uh, we've had mm-hmm. two sets of squad battles, and we will have uh, uh, a set, and, and we've already had a set of. Uh, division rivals rewards um, and I think a lot of people have already made relatively competitive teams uh, so they can compete in division rivals so I don't think that the uh, rewards are, are or rather the price increase is going to be quite as significant as last year heading into this first weekend league but it, I, I just I mean that being said I do think we're going to see a rise uh, nevertheless I will also say that uh, to your second point that um, after this weekend league I do expect that some people uh, and especially on rewards uh, rewards say on was it Thursday maybe Tuesday I actually can't remember I think it's it's Thursday this year for weekend league I don't think that's confirmed but whenever it, the mm. weekend league rewards come out um, I will expect I, I expect some people to sort of rotate out of like the mid tier OP players you know your Felipe Andersons like your non informed Felipe Andersons um, mm-hmm. you know the the Daniel Wasses of the world like you know Muriel's etc cetera, etc cetera. I think they'll rotate out of them and then head into 
some of like the upper tiers and the upper tiers would, would see another big boost and like sort of go up again whereas like the that sort of middle tier will will start to fall off as it as it generally does in early october to mid-october nice sounds good do you want to hear my hashtag trading with ben story for this week sure. so on on friday i was like pretty smart and bought a felipe anderson for like 45k or something like mm-hmm. and i want to watch felipe anderson right. um for west ham he scored mm-hmm. within like six minutes of play Manchester united um, <laughs> so he went up to like 160k at the time i was not i was like out doing something and came back and i was like oh <laughs> so i i did compare price he's still like the lowest was like 180 listed mm-hmm. him and then went to actually like search back at the like search filter thing you know like mm-hmm. actual market search and he was yeah. going for like 150 instead um yeah. so obviously he was listed for like a full hour and by the time i came back to list him he, he was back down to like 90 or something right um so then, then did you sell him or <laughs> so then yeah and then i uh he went sort of up again a bit so i sold him for around 100k and then uh yeah and then he got in the team <laughs> what why would he do that to me um yeah 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 so that's you know my uh my trading story of the week <laughs> that's interesting because i mean anderson was sort of an interesting case study the perfect uh like reason of why you sell as soon as the team of the week comes out slash before mm. the team of the week comes out um i mean so he wasn't really expected to get in he scored one goal um which usually isn't enough to to you know put you over the line it was against manchester united so maybe that's why but um so people he was like going for like 86 85k uh just mm. before team of the week announcement team of the week announcement he was in he like rocketed up to something like uh, like 140 150 and now he's all the way back down to 110 so it's like the classic mm. like people uh, sort of over over hyping it in the beginning and then you know sort of people cool off uh, it's really frustrating right because i so i had this hunch that he'd get in the team of the week i was really quite convinced and all i'm going to say is i spoke to a team of the week prediction expert who i will not name who was very convinced (laughs) that he wouldn't be in it (laughs) so i sold him (laughs) so the moral of the story is always stick to your guns i have a feeling Um, i know who that is (laughs) um so yeah that is the uh, moral of the story this week and and uh i think the final thing on trading someone just asked is there any way of um essentially profiting from this uefa champions league thing yeah, I mean, the requirements aren't super specific. So if you have a bunch of cl- uh, cards, like random rare gold cards in your club, um, and you're looking to get rid of them and put that into another investment, then now's a decent time to, to you know, list those up. Because people, and especially if you want to list it for lazy buyers, um, and uh, like in general, like listing for lazy buyers is really, really good right now. Because when, when I mean, whenever people want to do an SBC, they usually just create a concept or usually compare players. And when they do that, they get generally pretty lazy with how they buy it hence the lazy buyer thing so if you want to like buy you know a non-rare gold card at like you know as cheap as you can get them on bid and just throw them up at you know a thousand uh a thousand coins and with a start price of like 800 and see what see what they bite on that's actually a pretty good method right now mm, sounds good that uh, question came in from uh, dracorexia so thanks to him we'll move on to the team of the week very briefly then and pick out some players and also i've got an informed impression slash dynamite discard to share with you all so let's get into that now so looking across the team there is obviously that felipe anderson who we won't talk about again um and for me like actually it's a pretty good team of the week like neymar is super valuable neymar did did the dirty against me for runners is that someone you'd want to get or is he just too expensive no he he wouldn't be worth the boost this Ariane would take up way too many coins that could be spent elsewhere mm-hmm. uh plus i really never bother with first informs the boost just isn't reflective uh, especially for i mean uh, i'd pay 
maybe a 200k increase from him, but it'll be a lot more than that, so it won't be worth it. And is anyone else there kind of potentially someone you might use? I feel like possibly not, actually, having seen your team. Uh, no, no, nobody's going to fit in. Uh, at the moment, it's it's just the road to icons. Um, <laughs> mainly chemistry-wise, more than the fact that they're good. It's yeah. just that they make everything easier, uh, especially now with Ronaldo, who's, you know, Juventus, Portuguese, not the easiest player to chem. Yeah. Um, so I'm just trying to... Get chemistry around him. Uh, Steve, have you got any picks in this team of the week that you fancy? I like the look, of, like the look of, of Mandzukic as a target man. Mm. Um, but um, price-wise, there's no match to Diego Costa, really. Mm. So yeah. that would put me off it a bit. Um, but I do think in terms of of being a target man, in terms of being somebody who could give you nightmares with headers, I mm. think Mandzukic, with, he's got 87 jumping 87 strength, 90 aggression, and he's also six foot three. So if you're somebody who likes to pump crosses into the box, Manzukic could be your man. Mm-hmm. Cool, Jamie. What about you? Any investments or just good players? Uh, yeah, I mean, investments-wise, you can look at someone like uh, Sigurdsson or Maguire if they could become sort of the check or the Matip of this week. But uh, someone like Stark, a center back, the pacey center back, or Demarcos. Mm. Uh, I actually really like Demarcos, depending on price. Um, I, I mean, just a quick look suggests that he's probably the best La Liga right back. Um, you know, save maybe like Carvajal or something like that. But um, oh, I also doubt, yeah. He's got like 96 stamina or something and like really solid yeah. in terms of the other physical stats and his his like defensive stats are actually really quite good when he used Shadow and he's got four-star skills. Yeah, six um, foot. I mean, he's got a big body. I, I, I really like him. Um, like, it, uh, yeah. it, again, depending on price, I think he could be uh, a really good a really good look. Spanish as well, so he links up with, with Ramos, which is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously a staple. And then that Stark guy, he's, I mean, just sort of <laughs> as like a lower-end investment, uh, you know, especially with Bundesliga getting player of the month this year. Um, hmm. It could just sort of be interesting as people look to rotate maybe into some of the Bundesliga teams if they get uh, caught in the uh, you know the, the hype of doing some of those player of the month teams and look to build a team around yeah. them. Uh, and he's interesting. Um, he's got. I mean, he's actually you know he's a really good player. He's like really quick. He gets like nine, with Shadow. He's got ninety two acceleration, ninety two sprint speed, ninety three hmm. interceptions, ninety one marking, ninety four stand tackle, eighty eight standing tackle. Really quite solid. Um, hmm. And also you know if you're a Game of Thrones fan, uh, good in defensive walls. And anyway, I guess none of you are. Yeah. <laughs> that was, uh, no, was no, funny. we are. We all got it. We just... Uh... It just wasn't funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> none of you will be back next week then. Um, so, <laughs> moving on to uh, the final player I just wanted to pick out from this team of the week is a throwback player, Guarin, who are oh, just so many great memories of slamming in long shots with him. He's got 99 shot power on this card and 90 long shots as well as a 93 free, free kick accuracy, but uh, 74 curves. So there's only one way you can take free kicks with him. Um, just slamming it in. Uh, he's also got like 93 strength. He looks fairly solid with the shadow, actually like 88 acceleration, um, you know, fairly decent defensive stats. Uh, it just looks quite fun. Four star skills and four star weak foot. So, uh, yeah, an interesting one could be uh, could be a good one to kind of make a naughty team with. So I think moving on to a quick informed impression. He's also a dynamite discard. Got him for ten k. He's a left winger from the Liga Nosh. Um, it is Nakajima, uh, the Japanese player. So I was like looking at him, at his stats, and was like, he looks quite good. 
but I wasn't really expecting him to play quite as well in game. Um, he's got 92 acceleration, 92 sprint speed. Um, this was Sniper, so he's got 94 finishing, um, 86 positioning, uh, 80 shot power, 88 volleys. He's got like 80 short passing, 80 vision. So like you don't need to boost that. It's kind of acceptable. Um, he's got 99 agility, 99 balance, 82 reactions, 84 ball control. Probably the only let down actually. And 91 dribbling and 89 composure, as well as 94 stamina. <laughs> Um, so he's just a really, really good card with four star skills, four star weak foot. Um, and the only downside is he's got 36 strength and he's like five foot five. But like <laughs> using him in game, he, of course, he's, it's just a classic comparison, but he is like the, he's the Japanese Messi. He feels unbelievably good on the ball. Like the amount of po- opponents who just like not known what to do with him because he, like, he's got that kind of like very, very top tier movement on the ball. Like you just don't expect it from him. You're just this basically unknown player to to be quite as good as he actually is. I didn't even pick him out last week in the team of the week rundown. Totally missed him. Um, shout out to Horace who who sent a message being like, "You didn't mention <laughs> this guy. He's really good," and ended up trying him out. So yeah, like really, really impressed with him and uh, encourage anyone to pick him up. Maybe even just as a sub. And he's also 10k as I said. So um, literally. A dynamite discard. He is decent. I mean, definitely a bit small, but I mean, maybe <laughs> you could get away with it. Uh, but one I've definitely found was really good. Just Allison, man. J- just base, good old Allison. I actually packed his once to watch today, <laughs> uh, which was nice. But as far as Premier League goalkeepers go, I think it goes to Hair, Allison, and then the rest. So I think just for the coins difference, I I would definitely. Give him a go if you haven't used them already. Oh, nice. How much, uh, how, what is the coin really difference today? Um, Allison's around 20k. Wow, and then that does seem reasonable. De Gea is like 150, roughly, 160. Wow. So that that's a big difference. Like, So wow. I, I definitely go with Allison. Steve, finish us off then. Have you got any players you've been using, you've been enjoying? I've been rolling with a all-Brazilian team. Um, so I've been using a few players that I wouldn't ordinarily use, but I've also been using a player that I always ordinarily use with my starter squads, and that's Giuliano. Uh, he's now in the Saudi league, I think, so he's not great for chemistry unless you're running a full Brazilian side, but he's definitely a card to look at if, if you are, if you're running with a Brazilian attack. Um, great on the ball, he can knock in a finesse shot, he can distribute the ball. Um, yeah, that's I just every year Giuliano gets in my team from when he was in Russia to when he was in Turkey to to now Saudi Arabia can always fit him in somewhere. Nice, sounds good. So we'll end on that, and uh, we'll also end on a little tease for probably something we'll discuss in a future podcast for Economist. Put your money on the line now. Will we see Prime Icon SPCs this year? I think we will. That, well, that is the final word from the Foot Economist. Um, thank you very much, Jamie, for coming on again. Really of course. Enjoyed having and uh, Steve, welcome return to the Foot Weekly Podcast. We'll, we'll look forward to hearing more of your insights this year. Absolutely. And Runners, been really good having you on the podcast. Thanks for making your debut. Much appreciated. Thank you. And of course, good luck with the upcoming season. And finally, thank you very much, listeners, for joining us this week. We'll be here at the same time next week. And a quick reminder, you can follow at Foot Tactician, aka Steve, uh, for all his tactical insights. 
at Foot Tactician and Ranners is at Ranners. Foot Economist is at Foot Economist. You can follow us at Foot Weekly Pod. You can also send us your thoughts via email, footweekly at mail.com. And lastly, of course, please do subscribe if you enjoyed this week's podcast. You can find us on all your usual podcast platforms, whether that's Spotify or the podcast app, which is on most people's iPhones. And also, uh, if you want more options, just go to audioboom.com forward slash footweekly and you'll find plenty more options there. At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today. Because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. Sports Social Podcast Network.